This is Ballot Vox, the pointer's coverage of the upcoming 2022 provincial and municipal elections. Reporting today, Sam Graywall. For anyone who's uh, spent any time driving around the GTA, Southern Ontario, you will notice uh, mostly on the fringes of the urban area or, or even beyond the built-up area, large aggregate or, or gravel excavation operations all over southern Ontario, in fact, all over much of Ontario. And when you're driving around and you see these huge mounds, like, you know, mini mountains of gravel and sand that look pretty dreary and, you know, don't exactly make for the best landscape in parts of, of the GTA in southern Ontario, you wonder, like, why do they sit there? You know, why Why do these open pits with these huge mounds of, you know, sand and earth, soil, just sit around across Caledon? There's a couple even in Mississauga that are still open and have been sitting there for ages. And the problem around gravel and aggregate and extraction of soil and earth goes way deeper than just sort of a blight, you know, an ugly looking kind of stain on the urban and suburban and exurban landscape, or even in the rural, you know, areas of Southern Ontario. It represents the industry, the aggregate industry uh, that provides the gravel for tons of construction purposes. There's a lot more to some of the problems and a recent movement to push back against the aggregate industry and how it operates and what it does to our natural world, what it does to our ecosystems and how it contributes to climate change and how it rips up farmland and destroys other sensitive spaces. There's a lot going on in the story. And we have today with us to talk about it, Graham Flint, who's the co-chair of the Reform Gravel Mining Coalition. And we have the pointers, Joel Whitnable, who's been doing a lot of digging and reporting on some of these issues. Joel, why don't you set the table in terms of what's been happening recently around the push to get the gravel and aggregate industry in check? To really summarize what's been happening, I think what we're seeing is the collection of a lot of a lot of different battles across the province. So you have these small communities across Ontario, most of them in rural areas of Ontario, because that's where these quarries and mines and where really where the aggregate is located. And so you have these small towns that are trying to essentially, whether it's preserve elements of their natural landscape or preserve their groundwater, they're fighting these battles or previously they were fighting these battles in isolation. If you do just basic Google searching around, you can find places like, you know, Tiny Ontario, Romero Township, Wilmot Township, and, uh, you know, outside of Kitchener-Waterloo. And there's news articles about particular quarry operations, particular quarry expansions, and these small groups of people that are trying to push back and protect their natural, whether, like I said, whether it's the natural landscape, the natural heritage, or just to push back against something that they don't believe is needed. And I think we'll get into a little bit more of that later. But now what I see the Reform Gravel Mining Coalition has done is bringing all of these voices to one table. They had a launch event in January where there were hundreds of people on a Zoom call from across Ontario with almost identical stories. It was it was something absolutely amazing, but also tragic to see that these sorts of stories are playing out across the province. And Graham, I want to ask you, ever since then, we've seen, I would say, quite a bit of momentum building around the movement that you guys started. Can you tell us about sort of since you launched in January, what's been happening? How has the sort of public 
reacted to what you guys are pushing? Joel, the momentum has not stopped. It has been overwhelming at times. Um, you know, I have a long history in this. I've been working on aggregate issues, gravel issues in Ontario for almost 18 years. And prior to joining the Reform Gravel Mining Coalition, I was with an organization called Gravel Watch Ontario. And I used to have these intake calls. And they would be a, you know, a man or a woman, young or old, that was on the phone. And they'd just been told that there was a potential for a gravel operation in their community. And it, it used to break my heart because I knew what they were going to go through. And it exactly what you said was the purpose of the Reform Gravel Mining Coalition, was to give all these pieces voices and bind them together to elevate this issue to a provincial level, which is where it needs to be controlled. The province is the primary gatekeeper, manager, unfortunately at times facilitator for the aggregate industry. And the momentum has been amazing. One area that I, I want to just jump ahead on that's just that surprised us. I mean, we knew the communities would want this. We knew the communities were struggling in their in their individual fights and wanted to uh, to have support, to have their voices amplified. But a, a, an audience that has has surprised us has been the municipalities. Um, I've been very anxious, uh, you know, and very busy working across uh, Ontario with uh, individual municipalities. It started with Halton Hills. They were the first out of the gate who passed a moratorium, a motion supporting the moratorium, calling the province to put this temporary pause on new approval. But since then, it's just been amazing. Last night, I was on the, on another call with Wilmot, and they passed a motion last night. So they're the they're the ninth municipality, I think, in Ontario that have passed this. So great response from the citizens, but a great response from the municipalities. And I think that also speaks to how widespread these issues are, but also. I guess the lack of control that municipalities have to get into some of the issues. Obviously, we have this reform gravel mining coalition, and we have your campaign. And the campaign, which we're calling, you know, they're calling it the dam campaign, the demand a moratorium now campaign is to request that the province hit the pause button on issuing any new gravel licenses in Ontario until a panel can be constructed or essentially created to review a lot of the legislation and things that govern the aggregate industry. When we spoke before, Graham, you, you mentioned that this sort of underlines or underpins a lot of the issues that both members of the public see, whether it's when they're fighting at the community level at council or at LPAT or as it is now the Ontario Land Tribunal and something that obviously municipalities, I know in Wilmot Township in particular, they were told by their own staff that they can't push back against the gravel proposal because they can't demand that the gravel proposal show a need for having to be constructed. And this goes to the provincial policy statement that aggregate operations do not have to show the province or the municipality that there is actually a need to dig that quarry or that pit or whatever it is. And Graham, can you talk about that a little bit? Obviously, you have a lot more experience in it than I do. It just seems absurd. Sure, it, it really is. I mean, I mean, let's start with Wilmont for just an example. They have been one of our poster childs. The, the, the current application they have in front of them that that community is trying to deal with is about a, a land speculator. And that's what these guys are. They speculate on this idea that they'll buy some, some land. Vast majority of the time, it's zoned agricultural as it is. And they want to change the zoning on it to become extractive industrial is a very typical uh, zoning name, but there are other names they use. And so they have to go through this, this approach. 
And it's and it's amazing. Somehow these arguments sort of get tripped on their head that you know they have the right to do this, and the community has no obligation but to approve them unless they come up with some some unique reason that they, they can't say no. But it's ridiculous. The planning report for that for that applicant showed there are seven other sites that are shoulder to shoulder adjoining properties, all clustered together, that are producing one tenth of what they're allowed to. They're they're licensed to produce a certain amount. Every pit and quarry in the province, when they get a license, says what their maximum production should be. Well, this cluster of seven is producing one-tenth of what that maximum is, and yet an eighth player wants to come in and do that. Last night at the council, um, the planning director brought broader statistics across all of Wilmot Township, not just this cluster of seven plus an eighth that wants to come into it. They have about 15, I think, was the number. They're allowed to produce a maximum of six million. They're producing about one and a half, so about, about one, and a, one and a quarter. They're doing about 20 25%, between 20 and 25% of what it is. And and this is the problem, the no need to show need. And your article quotes the, uh, in the pointer, quotes the exact language, but colloquially, it's no need to show need. As much aggregate should be made available as possible and no demonstration of need shall be required, right? It's it's just bizarre. And, and the offensive part is it, is that the industry's rhetoric is that always that we're running out, we're running out, we're running out. You know, the province is growing, we need more, more crushed stone and sand and gravel, we're going to run out. And then and so we get to a point where we could actually, okay, let's let's roll up our sleeves and have that debate in these administrative hearings. And they pull out this provincial policy statement and says, you can't make us show you that we need it. So the, they, they run around saying that they're running out, which is a need argument. But when we get to the point where we can actually have the need debate and actually really put the facts on the table, they hide behind this policy or they use it as a club is the way I like to express it and says, well, no, we, that's an inappropriate discussion during this hearing. We don't need to show need. And so it's, 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 it's huge. I think, I think I use the term, you know, a bazooka in terms of, in terms of the fights and in terms of the impact it has. And this no need to show need then ripples down through the whole thing. If you look over the last you know, 20 years or so, there's been on average, as your article quotes, 5,000 extra acres that have been licensed. Now, every year we get another 5,000. And then of that area that's, that's licensed, if you look at the area that's actually disturbed, there is now 45%, if you just look in the last two decades, more land disturbed, so actually dug up, the natural habitat destroyed, the negative impacts to communities being felt, than there was two decades ago. Now, in that two decades of time, we're actually using less gravel. 168 for the first decade, million metric tons per year, down to 157. Ontario's population went from 12 to 50 million. So all the metrics tell us that there's a problem here. We're continuing to scar Ontario's landscape. We're not producing any more. In fact, we're producing a little bit less. Population is still growing. Like there's no metric that says we should just be, you know, as a right, able to grab a bunch of land and bully their way through to an application. And that's why we think there needs to be a pause. Graham, can I just uh, get you to detail some of what has been reported? We don't see a lot of coverage of these issues, but I, I know going back at least a decade, concerns about aggregate operations that were being used to fulfill other types of planning, poor planning decisions by municipalities, uh, these operations being essentially abandoned when they reached about 95% of the depth of where the aggregate that they were approved to mine for was already extracted. But instead of you know, getting down to the bottom, which would trigger the requirement to fill up the pits and you know, oftentimes plant trees and restore the area back to its original state or as close as they could, they would just abandon them shortly before 
that threshold. And then they sit there for years and years, sometimes for decades, um, all kinds of other irregularities. Can you talk about some of the specific practices, um, some of the, you know, the fly rock and a whole bunch of other concerns that people have about these giant, massive aggregate gravel mining operations, these quarries? There's a, there's a whole web or onion, I mean, depending on what metaphor you want to use in terms of the issues associated with these operations. I mean, they are the language we use is that they're not benign, but they are they are they're extreme from not benign in terms of their behaviors. And and to be fair, there's a spectrum of industry behavior. There are some companies that try to do a really good job, and there are other companies that I think are some of the you know the outliers that cause these extreme things. So there's a spectrum of things that go on. We are very concerned, and I think municipalities are very concerned about this idea we we call it colloquially the the last cup of gravel but they want to leave the last cup of gravel in the ground because you know the rehabilitation that's supposed to happen at the end is all cost i mean at this point they've they've made their money off of every truckload that left the left the property's gate but the you know the cost of doing that final re- rehabilitation. It's one of the reasons. One of the reasons the government does encourage them to do progressive rehabilitation. Though we can debate whether that's occurring as well. But you know we're very worried about this last cup of gravel sort of philosophy, and that prevents them from you know having triggering the 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 surrendering of the license and the final rehabilitation. I suspect that that scarring those statistics that I give you about the amount of land that's negatively impacted in Ontario. If we were to peel back why that is, I suspect that it has something to do with this fact that we don't finalize these sites. The other thing that's bizarre is the dormant ones. I mean, Acton has a huge operation, right? It's been there for decades. They, they had a long community fight, legal fight, administrative fight. They got an approval for their for their expansion of their operation up there. And, um, you know, they operated it for, for, I think, a number of years, maybe two or three, and then they quiesced it. You know, the, the industry euphemism is, you know, market conditions don't favor us extracting from that location, but it sits there as a scar. You know, the natural environment's been destroyed, you know, any plant life or animal life. I, I love this. The industry often wants to talk about, you know, the final rehabilitation scenario and then talk about what they call net benefit. But what they want to leave out is the decades in between, you know, the natural landscape existed in the pristine state that it was. We've destroyed it into a moonscape for decades, and there's a promise of something that might happen at the other end. And they kind of want to leap right over that everything that happens in the middle. And it's totally unfair in terms of that. So, I mean, there are there are some, you know, some horrific stories of different things. There is a program. I should talk about this too. There is a program. It's called the MAPS program. And it's run by an organization called TORAC, the Ontario Aggregate Resource Corporation, which is a, I don't know its exact nature, a crown corporation agency of the, of the government. They're the ones that actually collect the levies and pay them back to municipalities and stuff like that. And this is a a, a group that looks at rehabilitation of those sites that have been abandoned. So the company's gone out of business. There's no one to hold accountable. It's just a scar on Ontario's landscape. And every year they try to do about, you know, they do around between 20 to 25 of these things, and they try to uh, resolve the issues and the scarring that's on Ontario. But there are several thousands of these. So at the rate they do them, without adding another one of these abandoned sites to the list, it would take them almost a century to complete. So we're not really cleaning this up. And if you go back in aggregate history, at one point in time, there was a deposit scheme that was on the table. And so Producers had to pay into these rehabilitation funds, and the funds were going to be used to do the rehabilitation. My understanding of what happened there is they realized that the funds weren't covering the rehabilitation. So rather than increase the fees to go into the deposits, they decided to abandon them, and the industry would do the right thing and rehabilitate. 
Well, the fact that we've got the scarring growing by, you know, 45% in the last two decades tells me rehabilitation isn't really happening. And Graham, can you tell us, it's been over a month, almost two since the campaign launched. Has there been any sort of response from the PC government? The short and direct answer is no, and it's and it continues to be a disappointment. I mean, as I said, I was with Gravel Watch, um, serving as their president uh, through 2014 to 2020, and so in that period was 2018 when our new government uh, took office, and we reached out as we historically had for the for the time periods before that, you know, and uh, you know we we've sat down with the industry many times. The voluntary standard, the cornerstone standard, which you know, frankly, I still have a lot of concerns about. I don't think it was what it needed to be, but it was something. That was a large, hard fight. And as soon as the new government came in, the industry walked away from it. They felt they were going to get a good deal from this government. The first thing that they did was was called the secret summit, we call it that. They had, a, they had an aggregate summit, and they had it up in Caledon. And we call it the secret summit because they didn't even tell the people that were invited where the location was until about 24 or 48 hours before the meeting was held. And that was deliberate. It became a big joke in, in all the circles of stakeholders here about what's going on. But I guess they felt that they needed to keep this undercover, but they wouldn't let any of us in there that historically had been at this table talking to them. You know, in fairness, the, 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 the people in Peterborough, we reached out to them when we launched. That's where the Ministry of Northern Affairs, Mines, Natural Resources, and Forestry uh, reside. Um, and they're the ones that do the policy work on the uh, gravel aggregate file. And we did brief them about what we were doing, had some good dialogues. There's, there's a proposal on the table now about uh, the beneficial use of excess soil. So they want to start dumping excess soil into these, into these sites. And we have a lot of concerns about that. But anyway, we had a good dialogue with them. And at that time, we asked them yet again to say, look, you know, thank you for meeting with us. This is what we're up to. This is what we think should happen. This is our recommendations. You know, and by the way, if you can ask the people in Queen's Park to maybe return our phone calls or you know, have a call with us, we'd be, we'd be happy to do that. But absolutely nothing is a occurred. And since it's been, you know, about eight weeks now, I'm, I'm assuming we're not going to hear anything. You know, we, we know the provincial policy statement, the no need to show need, which we talked about, has been in place for years, even before the PC government was in power. And the aggregate industry has relied on that. But with the PC government, we know that, you know, it's fair to say that things have been exacerbated with their strong pro-developer stance to push for urban sprawl and, and support those developers who are, are building those sorts of developments, but also with their push to construct both Highway 413 and the Bradford Bypass, which would take millions of tons of aggregate to get completed. Those issues are garnering a lot of attention. And I, and I suspect with the provincial election in June that they will be, the PCs have made it clear that both of those highways are part of their election plank or are a plank of their election platform. How, Graham, how do we make this issue, the aggregate issue, one that voters could potentially engage with or potentially hold their candidates accountable for asking about, what are you going to do about this? Good question and, and area of discussion. I mean, part of what we're doing as part of the campaign, in addition to our municipal outreach and awareness stuff and the, the, the broad work on social media and that trying to get people aware of this, are these programs, we call them zaps, but uh, to send emails into MPPs, send emails into, into, into candidates to pick up the phone and call them and that. We're trying to raise the awareness of this and we're challenging people that, you know, when a candidate comes to your door, knocking on your door or uh, calls you up with a, with a robocall or a town hall 
small meeting or something like that, did you ask the question, what's your policy on, on aggregate mining in Ontario? I mean, thus far at our launch, you know, both the Greens and the NDP were very clear that they would support the concept of the moratorium. They were going to do the timeout. The Liberals have shown a lot of interest. Lucy Collard, who's the environmental critic, was on was on the call with us at launch and has stayed in touch with afterwards. You know, they're showing that they're they're going to make an issue of this. We're told that when their platform um, hits, that uh, we'll be happy with what it's what, what it says. But I don't know what it says yet. So we'll wait and see. So it's a differentiator. And so you know you know our 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 call to people who now have become aware of this is to ask the candidate that's asking for your vote where they sit on this issue. You know, there's a lot of things going on in Ontario that we need to be concerned about. This is this is just yet another one. But we think it's a significant one that particularly if you're sitting in a rural community that you need to be be, be aware of. I mean, the industry has, has been labeling us with NIMBYs all the time, right? You know, not in my backyard. You know, frankly, I'm disappointed that they've resorted to name calling. But it is what it is. But, you know, if everyone protected their backyard, we'll have a wonderful province. So, you know, in some ways, uh, you know, the NIMBY label is something we should all wear as a, as, as a pride. And the other thing about the NIMBY label that I like to is change the acronym. Next time it might be you. I mean, if you haven't been 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 caught by a, by a gravel mine, go to our website on the resources page. Look at the look at the where the gravel mines are across Ontario. I think, Joe, this is another thing you, you concluded in your article. It's like, a you know, a measles covered face of a young child. Ontario is covered. I think you used a buckshot example or shotgun example in your article. It's covered with it. So this is an issue. Challenge those candidates. What are they going to do about it? Graham, I wanted to ask, and we can probably wrap things up because I know you have to run. Ahead of the election on June 2nd, the provincial election, what is the coalition you know that's now been launched with all this great energy and as you said all these municipalities getting on board or at least really taking a second look at how land use and the aggregate industry uh, are linked and and all of the negative impacts for municipalities what can be done to use the election as a way to pressure the government and create a consequence if Queen's Park continues to turn a blind eye? Our electoral systems is representative. So individual ridings can vote the people out of office that, that would support you know the continuing of the current path that we're on. This, as I say, particularly for rural residents. But you know, it's interesting that the support we're getting out of the municipalities. You I mean Peel Region is one of the one of the groups that, that signed on. You know, traditionally, while there are some pits and quarries within the within the area, Caledon in particular, um, you know, we're going to Halton uh, later this month, you know. Uh, Again, there are some quarries in that area, but it's not not a dominant issue. But they're frustrated with it. I mean, citizens need to make this part of their decision making. They need to be clear that they're going to make it a part of the decision making. I mean, one of the things that, that, that we're encouraging people to do is not just wait until June 2nd where you may go in and cast a vote. Or, you know, municipally, we have another election coming up in, uh, in October uh, at a municipal election. But not just wait till you have your vote, but to be clear with those candidates that are vying for your vote or want you to put them back into office to reelect them, that this is a decision, this is a criteria that you're going to use to make your decision. Our democratic powers comes from that ballot box power that we have. And I think the key to make it effective is to tell people why you're going to exercise it the way you're going to exercise it. You know, if you're not on the right side of this issue, I'm less likely to vote for you. I think if we send those messages, we'll get the movement that we need. All right. That's it for this week. Thanks to Graham Flint for joining us. And to all of you, we hope you'll be back next week. Ballot Vox.
was hosted by Sam Graywall, produced by yours truly. Join us next week for continuing coverage of the upcoming provincial and municipal elections. I'm Jeff Chalmers. Thank you for listening. Talk to you then.